0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and member FDIC. Entrepreneurs get worn out. And it's so easy. So you need to surround yourself with people that are going to be cheerleaders for you and yell at you when you're not doing a good job and hold you accountable because it's really easy to get worn out. We've been in business for six years and I would be lying if I said there there are not days where I wonder what would it be like to be a w2 employee again right and but you have to keep grinding and not every day is awesome it's not on the outside it looks really great but you have to get you have to keep on grinding through even the tough days
1: welcome to think business with tyler sharing our methods and strategies for success Join in on our conversations with business owners as we highlight their triumphs and detail how they overcame the challenges they faced while continuing to grow and scale their business. It's time to think life, think success, and think business with your host, Tyler Martin. Hey, hey, welcome back to another episode of the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. Our guest today is Daniel Felt. Daniel is the founder and CEO of Cura Home. This is a subscription-based maintenance business that originally started in Daniel's Garage and now operates in four states. This episode feels like an entertaining MBA course for business owners. What we discuss in this episode is a tool that most people ignore, but is the secret to understanding your business and improving it. How to drive a great customer experience and what to do when tough times hit. They always do. I love having guests like Daniel on the show. He's an in-the-trenches entrepreneur that is following a game plan to grow his business. There are so many takeaways here that you can apply to your business. Let's talk with Daniel. Hey, Daniel, thanks so much for being on the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you, Tyler? I'm doing really good too. We're talking on a Friday, so I'm winding up for the weekend. Most definitely. Yeah, so hey, I want to start out with a little bit about you, what you do now professionally, and then a little bit about you personally, if you can share it with the audience and myself.
0: For sure. Today, I am the CEO and founder of Cura Home. We are a home maintenance company based out of Minneapolis, Minnesota, also serve, service Denver. On a personal side, I am married. I have a almost two-year-old son and another one on the way at the end of the summer. So growing a family and growing a business. That is awesome.
1: And congratulations on the second one, right? Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, that is awesome. That's so cool. Okay. Well, hey, what I wanted to ask you before I get into your company itself, what's your background? Have you always been running businesses? Is, is Cure your first business? Is your family lineage have a lot of business owners in it? What, tell me a little bit about that.
0: Yeah. My family were, became entrepreneurs by accident. My dad bought my mom a dog for Christmas in 1980, uh, before I was even on this earth. And one day the neighbor's dog came over and they had a litter of puppies and grew up. My parents were very, very tight. Paycheck came in on Friday and that was the day we bought groceries. I mean, it was the exact definition of paycheck to paycheck. And over time, they. It added, my mom brought the puppies to the vet. She was talking to him. So we're not selling them. They were trying to sell them for $50 at the time. And he said, in next, in next week's paper, increase the price. Try $350. She's like, that is nuts. Well, she did it and they all sold like instantly. So people put a high quality on that price, right? Good isn't cheap and cheap isn't good. So over time, they built that business. I was very involved in the day-to-day of that business, watching the way that my parents treated customers, our sales process, the way they marketed, all those things. I remember as young as the age of 12, helping my parents come you know, late March, April with taxes and was that was an awesome experience for me to see that and so they went from breeding dogs you know kind of by mistake in the early 80s to today they're a, I would say one of the most impressive breeders in the nation they sold a puppy to every state it's very difficult to buy a puppy for them because the waiting list is so long and I think their price is about 3900 a puppy right now so wow. yeah so saw a business go from you know hey maybe this, this is gonna work to you know hey this is for sure going to be a you know my my parents, my dad retired early. Now he works, they both, that's their full-time gig. And it's a really cool operation, really awesome role models to watch my my parents build that business. My dad worked full-time until a few years ago in town as a, you know, as a plant manager there. But uh, my mom really built that business from nothing to an incredible out-of-your-home business.
1: What a cool story. So did that give you the fire seeing that, that someday I'm going to have my own business? I mean, is that something you always had in the back of your mind?
0: You know, growing up, I always wanted to invent something or um, create something. But my problem is I can't, if you like show me a picture of like a workbench, I can build that workbench, but I can't envision it without the picture. So that was always challenging for me. I remember having conversations with my dad. I I got into horses um, at a young age. I'd buy them for like market price that people were going to bring to a butcher and I would train them and sell them to other 4-H kids. That was kind of my hobby. We were very fortunate to have some acreage. And so the horses ate grass for free all summer. So it was really no overhead, but I was training a horse for a lady. It was $300. And my dad asked, he's like, well, if she was going to board it somewhere, how much would that cost? I was like, like $300. I'm like, so she's boarding it here basically for free and you're also training it. So I learned a lot about value growing up. But for sure, you know, I was always, I've always said I, I'm really, really fortunate to grow up in a family where I always knew I was loved. I was encouraged to go out and do things. And any parent that's listening, you know, encourage your kids to go out and, and take a safe you know, risk, right? Fail carefully, and and I think it's it's okay to go and do that. And I I was always loved. I was always you know confidently. I was disciplined as a kid. All these things were really really good that I feel gave me the confidence at um, where I'm at today to go out and and start a business. But a lot of education came into place when I did start my company. I took out a reverse equity line against my house that I could use if I needed to. So there was a lot of little things that. that built me up to the point where I felt confident leaving a full-time job and starting Cura Home.
1: Yeah. I love that term, fail carefully. Mm -hmm. A lot of times you hear fail fast. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever heard fail carefully. That's a good, I like that angle of of thinking of it that way. So Cura, what what does that mean? Does that word have a meaning?
0: Yeah. So I didn't want to name this company Daniel's Home Maintenance. Um, I always wanted it to be bigger than me. And my last name is Felt. And Felt's Home Maintenance kind of sounds really weird. So went to the internet. I was searching for words that meant to care for. And I couldn't really find anything. But then I did fall across Cura, if you would spell it C-U-R-A. And unfortunately, quite a few companies had already picked up on that. And so I changed the spelling to K-U-R-A. And Cura LLC was available in Minnesota the domain curahome.com was available. I love how symmetrical that was. And, and it just fit. And so I picked that up. I love that people see that word and they haven't heard it before. So they ask, what does it mean? So cura in Italian, it means to care for the C-U-R-A. So I changed the spelling and that's what we do. We, we care for our clients' homes.
1: Yeah. And that's my next question. What exactly do you guys do? Because that that's beautiful, the way you name the company. Thank you. And it ties into what you actually do.
0: Yeah, we primarily are, the main focus at our company is, it's a home maintenance subscription. So we visit our clients' homes once every three months, typically. We have a few homes that are very high maintenance that we visit monthly, and we have a few more simplistic maintenance homes that we visit biannual, but the majority of our clients are set up on a quarterly visit. And we offer about 35 a la carte options for our clients. And from providing change on your filters, cleaning the AC unit, dryer vent, changing smoke alarm batteries, we even do things so minor as like polishing your stainless steel appliances before we leave but 35 items that you can pick in your home. And we come every three months and maintain everything in your home. So how
1: do you differentiate this between like a handyman service, for example? Like, is it because you limit it just to those 35 services? Is that the differentiator?
0: Yep. So you're picking and choosing those items. I think the easiest way to tell people is that we don't carry a hammer or a skill saw in our vans. We're not coming yeah. here. We're not the emergency call. We're following all manufacturers' recommendations to maintain the appliances in your home. So building a bench on the way, you know, for your entryway is not a manufacturer recommendation. So they're picking those items on, we have a, it looks like a report card for your home and the items on the left and there's the column for each quarter. And we check the items that they select on the far left. And then as our technicians come, they check the box as they complete it and take a photo on that form on the further pages down on that document. So it's really, it's very specific. And we try to really pick items that it's yes or no. Did you change the filter? yes or no. And that has really created a high level of customer satisfaction for us because it's it's very simple. Yes or no, we did or did not take care of that task.
1: Very cool. So I know you're doing well now, but you obviously, like every business, has had some bumps. And you actually explored, I believe you had a division that went into the handyman space. Is that correct? Yes, we did. Can you kind of tell us the story behind that and why you ultimately decided to get out of that space?
0: Yeah. Well, I can summarize it fast and say you can't be everything to everyone. But the the longer story is we were servicing... um, Today, we service about 600 homes for routine maintenance. Then we have an air duct cleaning division that also takes care of... We do, I don't know, about 20 jobs a day for air duct cleaning. And it seems so natural and such a great fit to add a handyman division. And uh, the weakness of our company is that no one Googles routine home maintenance. There's like 18 searches in Minneapolis and there's 4 million people here. but handyman. Is search a bajillion times. So we sent out, so we decided that we were going to try it. Let's just see how it goes. We sent out one newsletter. I hired a handyman and sent out one newsletter and we were booked out two months almost instantly. Like it was like by the end of the week, we were booked out. So my natural thing is like, well, we got to get another handyman, right? So two turned into like six really fast. And the problem with it is, and I think like a really good example is there are a lot of people out there, a lot of companies that they just do rock. And it would seem so natural for the She-Rock company to also tape in mud. Like, why wouldn't you also tape mud? I mean, it's so... You literally, you're right there. And now that i ran a handyman company and and failed, we launched that in February of 2021 and we closed it in November of the same year. So very, very quickly. Is that it's so difficult to complete a job to the customer satisfaction in an amount of time that's profitable for a company. And there's a lot in that sentence. But if I punch a hole in the sheetrock here, right, and I want to fix it as a homeowner, you would say, this can't be more than hundred bucks, right? It's a it's a hole the size of a fist. Well, we got to come three times, you know? And so that travel cost and for a business was really expensive. So at the end of the day, with the rising of costs, the rapid inflation of, of uh, costs in, in 2021 and dealing with customer satisfaction, we unfortunately grew too fast and we were not profitable. So we did roughly $424,000 worth of handyman work in that amount of time. However, our payroll and, and material costs were 408,000. So anyone who's ever looked at a PL knows that we ran a, a, a very severe deficit on, on handyman division. And so um, ultimately, I think craftsmanship is very hard to scale. And, and also you can't, if I ask you, Tyler, define what a handyman does, and we both wrote it down really quick and, and showed it, we would have two different things written down. And that was really, really difficult. So I respect the the business owner out there that says, I'm just going to do sheetrock and I'm not going to tape and mud because they sheetrock really, really well. And taping mud is a completely different skill set, even though it seems like it would come hand in hand.
1: I feel there's such a big lesson here. I'd love to get your insight. How did you... So many business owners don't really have knowledge of their numbers. Even if they have a CPA and a bookkeeper, they don't have knowledge of their numbers. When they do get them, they're six months later, three months later, nine months later. How did you have the ability to be able to get your data so quick and then have the guts to say man, it hasn't even been a year yet, but I can tell the direction we're going is not going to turn around. A lot of times we hold on to our losers. It's just sometimes it's embedded in us. So there's a couple of questions in there. One is, how did you get such timely data? Is that something that's built into you? And then two, what gave you the conviction to pull the string? Because you were getting sales.
0: Yeah. Ultimately, a few big picture things is we do get our our bookkeeper provides us with a PL monthly and I, and I don't just awesome. throw that uh, folder into my red folder that I, that's done. I look at that, I print it out, I highlight, I ask questions, I go into QuickBooks. You have to analyze the numbers. And no matter what business you are in, you've got to analyze your numbers. You've got to look at it. You've got to make sure that money is going where it's supposed to be going in your business. And, and, and the margins are correct, right? Like set the margins. We follow a kind of like a bucket system, a profit first mentality of, you know, money comes into a depository account and then you spread it out into five accounts from there. And so you start to notice these things very quickly when the numbers aren't adding up on a very zoomed in method. I got to the point where each day the handyman would come back and they would come to the admin in the office and tell them the numbers. And they, they had three numbers. It was how many hours did you clock in for? How much money did you spend on materials? And what did you build a customer? And that chart automatically, what had to happen is we had to pull in if it was eight hours, it had to be that they, in eight hours, they had to complete at least seven hundred and forty-eight dollars worth of work. And if it was, if they surpassed that, a green light would flash. And if they didn't, it would turn red. The cell would, and there was too many red days. And so we had to get down to a micro level, right? So also, you're looking at this, and it's like red day, red day, red day, green, red. And it's like you guys, twenty percent of the time, we're profitable, and the and the other four days of the week we're not. This is not this is not going well. And and you you pull your entire team in to that, and you show them why. And you keep on trying to change things. We tried switching these guys on commission. We tried a day rate. We tried salary. I mean, we, when I'm telling you, like, we're fixing, changing this stuff up crazy. My guy in HR is like, I can't even keep up with how fast you're changing the payroll, you know, because we're just trying to make it work. At the end of the day, it didn't. So we really got down to the point where we were on a daily basis looking at was today profitable? And that was how deep we dove into that because. If you wait till the end of the year, all of a sudden there goes, there goes half a million dollars. And you're like, okay, that doesn't, that doesn't work out. So you got to focus on your numbers at the bare minimum as a business owner. I would never let my numbers go more than a month without diagnosing them. And we were looking at it on a daily basis. Wow.
1: I love to hear you say that. So, in regards to uh, your like secret sauce, I guess I would call it, what do you kind of call your secret sauce? Is it that you know your numbers? Is it that, I mean, what would you attribute to your success?
0: Yeah, I would for sure say that we're extremely focused on the customer experience. Okay. And and what that looks like. And there's so many details that go into it. I'll give you one very small example. And that's that when my guys come and they ring your doorbell or knock on your door, they take about five to six steps backwards just to make you feel, feel welcome. Right. And and they're always smiling. And I tell my guys there's an example of a girl that works at my gym. And when I walk in there at five fifteen, on I know she works on Tuesdays, she always smiles. The guy who works the rest of the week doesn't. I've never had deep conversations with these people. But for some reason, to me, the girl who works on Tuesdays is so much nicer than the guy who works for the rest of the week. And the only difference is that she smiles. And and so just these little things on the customer experience, the way they're notified, the way you give a bid, the way you confirm the price, all these things. We're really, really hyper-focused on what does that customer experience look like. And I I would say that is our secret sauce, but also it's consistency entrepreneurs get worn out. And it's so easy. So you need to surround yourself with people that are going to be cheerleaders for you and yell at you when you're not doing a good job and hold you accountable because it's really easy to get worn out. We've been in business for six years and I would be lying if I said there, there are not days where I wonder what would it be like to be a W2 employee again. Right. And, but you have to keep grinding and not every day is awesome. It's not on the outside. It looks really great, but you have to get, you have to keep on grinding through even the tough days.
1: Yeah. There's so much wisdom there. So it sounds like you have a process for hiring really good people. I'm gleaning from that. Can, what is your hiring process? What do, you, what do you do to bring on quality people?
0: Yeah. For us, we try really hard to word our ads in a way that we're attracting people that are interested in a very customer-focused area. We prefer that our someone coming on has no experience and so that we can train you in on the way that we do things. So with that, even on during the interview, we ask a lot of very specific questions, and, and one of them, for example, would be of like if I were to ask you how you define integrity, how would you define that, right? And everyone has their version of that, but usually it's something along the lines of doing what you say you're going to do, right? And then I would ask if one of your friends walked in right now and I said, hey, is would you call Jim? Would you say he's a man of integrity? And would they say yes? And and you know, of course, ninety nine percent of the time, everyone says yes, and so then you say. I'm looking for a person of integrity. I'm looking for someone who, when they say they're going to do something, they do it. And is that going to be you? If we work together, is that going to be you? And in our code of conduct that they sign, it even says things that we will we will not take shortcuts. We will not skip. We will not check about a task that was not completed, no matter the time of the day or the stress of the job. We will not take shortcuts. And so these the people are committing and and they're they're signing a contract that says I'm going to give you my best and and that's for the the customer. So I think it's the way you word your ads. And the way you interview people, but also we don't just let things, you know, go on and on and on. If someone's late, you know, we, we call them out on it. Hey, what, what's going on? You know, why were you late today? Was there traffic? You know, did you wake up late? Like what's, what's going on in your life? It's, and I think just letting people know that you're actually tracking and measuring this. We also have a whiteboard up in our warehouse that some would call it publicly shaming, but it also is publicly faming. If you get an upsell, it's on there. You get, you're late, it's on there. You get a callback, it's on there. It's all these measurables and the entire company can see it. And it's it's the pecking order is really intense because they'll stand there and look at that and say, hey, you know, Jacob, why were you, you know, why were you late two days in a row last week? And they're like, well, you guys don't understand, you know, this is this. And all of a sudden, it, it, the problems really kind of fix themselves out. Because anything you track is is statistically going to improve. And so right. just tracking these things is very, very important.
1: Right. So it sounds like, if you do have a poor performer, you do have someone that's not going along with the program, do you find that they kind of raise their hand and elect themselves out of the ecosystem? Or do you have to encourage them out of the ecosystem? How does that play out usually?
0: Usually what it takes is is we sit down in my, in my office and we have a conversation. And my approach is always there's two sides to every story. And there's, there's always something that someone's going through that you don't understand. And so it's asking a bunch of questions. You know, hey, from my standpoint, I've noticed you've been late twice this week. What's going on in your life? And then, you know, explain that, you know, for us, we're trying to run a consistent business. You're wearing the Cure Home brand on your shirt there. How do we provide that high-level customer service? It's really difficult when you're when you're late. How can we fix it? And so it's just having those conversations. And sometimes it gets a lot deeper and there's, there's an issue that can't be fixed. And it's, hey, unfortunately, I need to write you up for this. And it's it's taking things very seriously. Saying I'm going to write you up. I want you to sign this document that you and I talked about this. And here's the corrective action that we're going to take in 15 days or 14 days, whatever it is, in two weeks. We're gonna have a conversation about this, and to see if it's been resolved. And if people are late the next day, they usually know that. Hey, you know what? You're just not employed here anymore, right? But or they fix it. So it goes from that moment, you're at a T in the road. You got. You're they're going left or right. Either they're gonna fix it and become a better team member, or they're gone.
1: So many business owners have a hard time dealing with what you just said. You do it. oftentimes it gets very frictional. They it kind of becomes passive aggressive. They want to say what they want to say, but they can't say what they want to say. And sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. Do you think part of that success is the fact that you do make it measured? And so it takes away the element of it being personal. It's more about doing what needs to be done. And if you can do it, I love you. I want you to be here. If you can't, it's not the right fit.
0: Is that what you would attribute to the process? Most definitely. Stick to the facts. Don't say, you know. hey, you're really making me mad because you're late. It's so much easier to say, Hey, you know, according to the employee handbook, we we've asked you to be here at seven 15. I've noticed that you're consistent in clocking at seven 25. Therefore you're, you're 10 minutes late. How do we correct this issue? You know, now it's, you're not saying like, you're, you know, you're giving me a headache and staying, staying cool, calm and collective. When you walk in, you know, how I sound on this podcast is how I talk to everyone. You know, I'm, I'm very level-headed. You can't let your emotions get involved because People are going to come and go. No one cares about your business as much as you do. It's, it's your baby, right? And so you have to get, get these people to buy in. Why do we care? Why is, it, why is it important for me to be on time? And for some people, they don't even realize it until you explain it to them. They didn't, they didn't grow up the way you did or they don't value the same things that you do. And some people don't value being on time. And if you tell people, I tell people during in an interview, one of the most important things to me is that you show up on time. That's like 50% of your success for the day is just get here on time. If you want to respect me, I would really appreciate that. I'm like, okay, I guess. So when you show up late, you're disrespecting them. And and I'd love to have a mutual respect relationship here. Yeah, that's
1: great. Now, does a lot of this relate back to like company core values and vision and your mission of the company? Do you feel? And is that something that you bring up to the team and it's what drives your culture, or is this are these all independent pieces in your mind?
0: You know, to me, I think a lot of it stems from growing up. I grew up in a family of five, uh, six kids. So I you know, that had five siblings. And my dad really helped us he treated our family like a company kind of i remember when i was about eight years old running out barefoot and he had an old school punch machine where you had to punch in and it stamped the time card and we had to be clocked in by 8 a.m in the summer and as a when you're eight years old that's that feels pretty early but these things and watching my parents treat customers no matter who you are you know no matter what you did they treated all these people with with respect and dignity they didn't care what, what car you showed up or what position you were at a company they treat these people like that. And then I was really fortunate to work with my brother's company and he ran a window cleaning holiday light company and watching that the people who have these values were really, really successful. I just felt that, hey, this is who we want to be. So for us, our mission is to provide expert home care to the nation with integrity while giving back to the communities that we serve. And there's so much that goes into that. But I think, you know, the biggest thing is, you know, is serving with integrity, right? And that's serving Sarah clients' home. And so just telling people that this is who we are You continuously train that in. You let people know that this is how we do it. And and they buy in. People want to naturally fit in to where they're at.
1: Hey, this is Tyler. Oftentimes, business owners and entrepreneurs hire me because they are stuck. Their business is stuck. They've hit a wall and can't take their business to the next level. And they're frustrated. When I grew my second business, it took me a while to get the pieces to fit. But once they did, the business scaled fast. In fact, it grew to $25 million in annual revenue and ultimately sold for eight figures. So I decided to put together a roadmap for scaling a business. I want to help stuck business owners that want to scale but are having challenges. It's called the Scale in 5 roadmap. And you can get a copy by doing the following. Text the number 55444 and type the word scale and hit send. A copy of the roadmap will be sent to your inbox.
0: You continuously train that in. You let people know that this is how we do it. And and they buy in. People want to naturally fit in to where they're at.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. One thing I want to ask, last thing on the employee side of things, you do profiling when you hire people too, right? You use a profiling system where they fill out a test and then they're rated. I'm assuming you find that Somewhat accurate if, if you continue to do it, do you think feel like it's a good read on people and does it improve your your accuracy of hires?
0: You know, when it comes to hiring technicians, what I've found is that it's really great to have a large variety because different people excel at different things. With that, I, I'm not an expert at disc, but what I have found is, is it, it makes it a lot easier to work with people when you know the things that motivate or demotivate them. So getting to know them on that level on that personality, Trait is really great for technicians. One of the the parts, especially when we're when we're rapidly hiring, because then we'll just have a to save time, we'll we'll invite five or six or seven people in at a time. Just filling that out is part of the the process to see how fast you fill it out. Are you are you taking this seriously? Is this because I've actually had people where they they stand up, like I'm not I'm not doing any of this, and they walk out. Okay, you're not a systems and process guy, right? Like you know, so I'll see you later. So I would say for for office personnel, when it really comes time into strategy, they that's really, really great to know what they are. But for technicians, you need a large variety. You need you need chiefs and Indians, you know, people who are willing to lead really strongly. You need people who are willing to follow. And, and some people, when they come on with us, we know that they're always going to be like that second like helper position on a crew. And that's just fine. We need all types of people.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. You know, I used to do one for salespeople. It was a different profiling system. It wasn't DISC. But I almost felt like it was a buying signal is what I used to call it in terms of their level of interest in in the role. If they got it back to me right away, it was a virtual one. They didn't have to come into the office. But if they got it back to me right away, it told me they were genuinely willing to invest time and do it. And, And that usually worked out. It usually was ended up being someone good if they were really responsive. So it sounds like you kind of use it the same way. Now, you brought up a phrase You said processes and systems. It sounds like your company is really driven by processes and systems. Can you take me through a couple that you think are really foundational to your your company and what makes you guys more efficient?
0: Yeah, most definitely. One thing that blows people's minds is that we have a technician team meeting every single morning. With that, there is a 45-day calendar that we follow. And if I told you that, hey, every 45 days, we're going to relearn how to clean refrigerator coils, you'd probably say... There's no way that I am going to learn this, but I promise you, when you go through that training manual and it's telling you what, why, when, how, and commonly asked questions or conversations to have with the customer, you forget those things after 45 days. So we're going through each process. I mean, we have 35 items that we maintain, and every morning we go through that with the technicians. We have a little TV in our our training room, and we pull it up, that training document. So everything that we do... If we ever made a mistake, it goes in that document, right? Have we pulled out a refrigerator and scratched the floor? You bet. Now in the training document, and every 45 days, the entire company is trained on, this is, how we, this is the proper way of cleaning a refrigerator coil, and here's how to not make a mistake. So that has really been beneficial. That's been the largest thing for us is having that training thing. Another thing that we do is we use a software that automatically follows up with customers. That helped us increase our close rate from 23% up to 43% by automatically following up. And then it sends a, it'll send a text message or a, an email or pre-recorded voicemail. And then after about four days, it dings our client care coordinators to send another phone call. And just, just that alone increased our close rate. We didn't change our script or anything like that, but just pinging the customer a few more times automatically really, really helped our business
1: yeah it blows my mind when you drive your business around processes and systems, how much you can actually improve the results. It gets you out of the business, so you're not having to worry about as much stuff, plus your customer by the way, gets a consistent experience most definitely yeah, very cool. Hey, I know you're you have you've tried different marketing channels, but I've heard you say that one of your best ones is actually social media. Can you share how you got such engagement through your social media and how you utilize it?
0: Yeah. We do several things. We consistently post, um, which you know, I'm sure everyone says they do, and that's that's awesome. But uh, the content that we post, we really try hard to educate clients that there's something that needs to be done here in your home, and we approach that understanding that 98 or 99% of people are going to say, "Great, thank you for teaching me how to change my dishwasher filter. I'm just going to do it myself." However, that one percent is going to say, "I never do that. I'm not going to do it. What else am I missing?" I need to hire you. And exactly. So, so that's that's something that has worked really, really well for us. Additionally, one thing that we've done is really taken advantage of social media influencers on different platforms. Some of these people have 100 120,000 followers and we'll go and it's it's a more affordable than you think. A lot of times we end up doing a trade service with them and we'll come and maintain your home and we just ask them, we want you to give your honest, most genuine feedback to your customers. How was this experience? What did we do and how was it? And that has really helped us increase our vision, you know, our all over the voice. We've actually gotten to the point where Facebook is now paying us on a monthly basis because of the amount of people that are watching our, our reels. So all these things, I'm like 80 years old at heart and I'm not super into it. I'm not out there doing the TikTok dances, but it works really, really well. Everyone, for the most part, is on some sort of social platform and answering people's questions between blogs Content that you're creating and posting, answering a question that they maybe didn't even know they had, is really helps people stay engaged and has consistently helped our our presence on our our newsletter and social media accounts grow. Yeah, I love that. I never really had thought about
1: on your scale. I was uh, using influencers. I mean, that's kind of genius. I always for some reason I always think influencers kind of a larger segment. It's cool the way you're utilizing them.
0: What's amazing about it is when you dive into influencers, they all have their little niche, right? And so there's some that are like, for example, there's there's a gal in Denver that's like focused on Denver food. Okay. Well, people, you can imagine everyone who follows this person is all about Denver food. So we can now work with you and say, Hey, you're all about food. Let's show people how to maintain your kitchen. Because that's where you make food. And, you know, so, so we try to like spin it just a little bit to work with people. We are not working with a person who's like, I'm a CrossFit champion and blah, blah, blah. We can't really connect with those people. But there's so many niches and genres within the social media influencer world that I believe it's going to be a very large part of the future for most companies that want to grow and scale.
1: Very cool. So now I want to talk about what we have in store for the future for the company. I believe you're, you're getting into franchising. What's driving you to want to go into franchising? What's your dream here?
0: Yeah, for me as an individual, if you ask, you know, if I was, you know, sixty-five and and we're sitting on the back deck uh, enjoying retirement, if you said what was successful, you know, for you, I would say that I was able to set up passively income streams, right? Passively income, and so I don't want to put money into the stock market and just say set it and forget it. I I really enjoy being involved in growing things, creating systems and processes. And at Cura Home, we have about a 600-page manual on how to do everything. You want to answer the phones at Cura Home, every single question that's ever been asked has been documented. And then it's, it's stated in there the way that we want to answer that question for the customer. So we've actually tried to open different locations. Um, currently, we operate in Minneapolis and Denver. We've had other locations open. However, when you don't have someone that has skin in the game and boots on the ground, it is very, very challenging to manage that, like a technician from a thousand miles away. And I'm sure that someone else could do it a lot better than than I can. But for me, I'm only willing to, and, and able to put so much time into, you know, there's only so much time in the day. So for the fact that I believe we have systems and processes and a recurring revenue model in place, we've also received inquiries all over the country, people wanting to buy into our system. And so meeting that demand and knowing what we have in place we felt that franchising was the best item to put in place. And I have learned a lot about franchising. There are a lot of legal loopholes to make sure they were in place, but we are now, we have everything in place. And I believe that we will have our first FDD uh, signed in, in a couple of weeks here. It's a very long sales process, but we will have one signed very close.
1: That is so awesome. I can hear though, when you talk about all the infrastructure you've created, I mean, you can help someone with kind of a one-stop shop, set up the right culture, have the right training programs. You've got manuals, you've got even down to team meetings, how you do your 45-day training process. I mean, all that infrastructure, how to utilize influencers, that's usually what creates so much value in the franchise because people can just come right in and be successful. So it sounds like you guys are off to a great start. And I I'm rooting for you. I hope you get that first one because if you get the first one, then you can get a hundred or however many you want.
0: That, that's what I've been told, Tyler. So I'm I'm very excited to get that first one going, and and uh, I think the gentleman who we've been working with is going to be an absolute rock star. So it's a really exciting time for us like, at Cure Home.
1: Now, are your clients are they all on a subscription service or is it just as they need you?
0: Yep. So there, it's it's set up where we're going to visit every three months, um, okay? Organically, but you're not locked into any kind of contract. Got it naturally people move or maybe your job changes. So we'd hate to be the company that says, Hey, you have to fulfill the year or anything like that. We have a very, very high retention rate. We still serve as customer number one, but we signed on in August of 2016. So, and I think it's actually to our advantage because you never have to renew your subscription. So sign on, you can cancel anytime. And actually that seems to have a higher retention rate than people that feel that they're locked in or have to renew for another year.
1: Yeah, that's a sweetheart model because you kind of get, it's maybe not guaranteed recurring revenue, but it's as close as you can get without any yeah. friction of renewal or any process of having to re-sign up. That's awesome. That's a great model. Hey, I got one last question for you before we wrap up. I always like to leave with some type of life or business tip that if you can share one with us that we can we can apply to our lives. Does anything come to mind?
0: Yeah, most definitely. I would say my a life hack that I feel I've uh, taken advantage to This year, I have a goal of listening to 52 different books. And over time, you can increase the speed. And um, I believe I'm on like book 22 right now. It's about the 22nd week of the year. And um, never stop learning. You know, driving around, things like that, it's amazing how much time you can find. And listening to audiobooks, it's, it's an awesome thing. You pick a little nugget out of each one. I strongly believe that I'm where I'm at today because I've always had a hunger to continue to learn. And every single person that you meet They know something that you don't know. You got to ask the right questions and pull that out of them. So maybe they've written a book. Maybe it's someone across the table from you. Never stop searching and and be hungry for that information.
1: I love that. I'm always fascinated when I'm interviewing entrepreneurs such as yourself. There's always, almost always the theme of they consistently read or listen to expand their knowledge. So I love hearing that. By the way, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, but you said 22 books. Any one of those 22 stick out that you can share with us?
0: Yes, I have a few here that I would highly recommend it. I love the 10X rule by Grant Cardone. That'll make you want to kick a door down. There's a ton of them. Um, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss can help just about anyone negotiate things. But yeah, I could tell you a ton. But if you want to feel motivated today, go read or listen to the 10X rule by Grant Cardone. And and if you don't want to kick a door down and take over the world beyond that, I don't know if anything will help you.
1: Yeah, awesome. I love that one. Okay, cool. Hey, your your website is Kira. home.com. I'm going to spell that. That's K-U-R-A home.com. I'll put that in the show notes at thinktyler.com. Is there anywhere else that
0: you'd like people to go
1: to if they want to reach out to you or talk with you?
0: Yeah. If you want to connect with me personally, I'm, I'm very easily found on LinkedIn. That's danielfelt.com. If you're into all the social medias, we're doing all the cool things on, on there. So follow us on any social media platform. We'd love it. If you to our newsletter or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff, um, we'd love to connect with you.
1: Thanks, Daniel. You are an awesome guest. I'm excited about your franchising uh, direction you're going. I think you're going to be highly successful. I can tell you're just a great guy and you got a great business. So um, thank you for spending your time and be sure to come back when you do have some franchisees. Come back and let's talk about it and, uh, and have fun. Just talk about that world. Most definitely. Thank you, Tyler. Bye, right, man. Have a great one. You